Psalm chapter 1. I'm, I was only going to do one part, but the Lord prompted me and said, do one more week on it, son. So I'm going to do just one more week next week. I got, I got some dynamite stuff for you in the next couple of weeks. Not that this is not dynamite, it is. But I got some dynamite stuff for you in the next couple of weeks that is really going to bless you. I wanted to start it today, but the Lord said, I want you to do another part on this because you didn't get everything out last week that I wanted you to get out. And so thank God we have another week. Amen. With a local church, you always have another week. With a conference, you don't always have another service. But with a local church, you always have another week for those that will come. So let's read again what we had read last week. Psalm chapter 1 and verse, um, <clears throat> let's look at verse 3. He shall be, let's look at verse 2, but his delight, this is the, the blessed man. Verse 1 says the blessed man, okay, is, does not walk and sit and stand with sinners. In other words, you don't, I'm not saying you can't talk to sinners, but you don't do their lifestyle. But his delight is in the law of God. He loves the word. And in his law does he meditate day and night. People say, Pastor, help me to meditate. I can't help you. You've got to love it. If you love it, you'll meditate on it. If you don't love it, you won't. It's as simple as that. Ask the Holy Ghost to give you a fresh love for the word. You'll start to meditate automatically. Verse 3, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. See, we've not just got the word here, but the word is also now referred to under the anointing of the spirit as living water, a flow of living water in your life, planted by the rivers. That brings forth, promise number one, fruit in his season. That, that means season. That means don't, don't put your interpretation on when, on when things are all going to work out for you because there are seasons of sowing, seasons of reaping. Yes. But if you'll stay with being planted as a tree, the season of harvest will come. It's guaranteed. And his leaf shall also not wither. That's a powerful promise. Anything withering, anything of loss and lack. And number three, whatsoever he does will prosper. Three powerful promises. Why? The benefits of being planted with your pastor. Part two. It's not just planted in the local church. It's planted with your pastor because as I tried to get over to you last Sunday, God didn't give you a church. He gave you a pastor. He placed you in a church, but he gave you a pastor. The church is not the covenant gift to you. The pastor is. Why? Because the church is a group of people and he didn't give you all these people as a gift to you. He gave the pastor's office as a gift to you, but he placed you amongst other people who have also received that pastor's office. So if you're going to get offended with somebody, don't get offended with the gift that God gave you. Don't get offended with the people either because then that will cause you a lot of issues. Stay in love with them and guard your covenant with your pastor because the pastor is a gift to you. I don't say that narcissistically or like I'm, I'm that great. I'm just the person that stands in the office, but it's the office that's the gift. Yes. Praise God. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Some flows are more scripture reading and other flows are not. So don't get religious and think every time we preach we have to have six verses because some flows of the Holy Ghost, we quote the scripture, but we don't even read it. We don't even open the Bible. That doesn't happen very often, but sometimes it does. But if that's the way the Holy Ghost is leading that day, that's okay. The, the only issue to be careful of is don't keep doing that every time you meet. Because the Holy Ghost won't keep leading that way all the time because he wants the word to have preeminence. Do you understand? But sometimes people get so religious that if you don't read a certain number of scriptures, they get offended and then they leave the church. That's a religious spirit. That's not understanding the flows and the bends and the winds of the spirit of God as he moves. Okay, so today may be a bit more scripture than normal. Is that okay with you? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. But now has God set 
That word set means to place. Okay, appoint and commit. Now has God appointed the members or placed the members of the body of Christ, every one of them, every one of them, every one of them, every one in the body as it pleaseth him. He set people in the body, the body of Christ globally, but he takes people and he sets them in a local church with a pastor. Did you notice it says every one of them? Which means, Lorraine, when people that have they just got this false doctrine and a demon's got a hold of their mind, it's me and Jesus only. I don't need anybody to speak into my life. It's just me and Jesus only. They will stand before Jesus and give an account for that. Because every single person that is born again, it pleased God to place them and plant them in a local church under the office with the first thing Jesus did. After he rose again and he took all the saints of paradise with him and they're having his triumphal entry into heaven and every one of an innumerable trillions of angels are bowing on their face to him as he walks up the streets of gold to the heavenly throne room of God and he places his blood on the mercy seat and he sits down as conquering king on the right hand of God the Father and he's given a name above every name. He's given a robe of victory. The very first thing he did, which shows how important it is. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 that he breathed and gave gifts. He sent forth into the earth five offices as gifts to help his people on the earth. That's how important it is to God that you honor the prophet and you honor. It's not the person as much. We honor the person too, but we honor the office that they stand in because the office they stand in is a gift from God the Father to us to help us. The person doesn't have an arsenal of weapons in themselves, but the office they stand in has revelations. It has gifts of the Spirit. It has things from heaven that they, the person, taps into and it flows through the physical vessel of the human being. So a lot of people prop the person up and say, oh, wow, they're so amazing. And yes, we should show honor for them. Absolutely. But it's not the person that's so amazing. It's the office and what it contained flowing through that human being that should be honored, that should be magnified. We don't magnify people. We magnify the office and the anointing because God gave it as a gift. He found it so important to help you in your walk so that you would not be stranded and tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine that he says, I give you a pastor. May not be the most anointed office, may not be the most extreme office or the most dramatic office, but Dad Hagen said it's the most important because it's the one you need the most frequently in your life. That's why we don't have the prophet here all the time. That's why we don't have the apostle here all the time, but you always have a pastor because they are the shepherd that feeds you and you need that constant feeding. Do you understand? Because the pastor is with you all the time, it is far more easy to get offended with the pastor than it is the prophet. It's far more easy to get familiar with the pastor than the prophet. It's far more easy for you to sit there and go, mm, don't really like what he's wearing today. OMG, did you see what his wife was wearing? What was she thinking? <sighs> oh Lord, I just bless my pastor. I just pray for him. Oh Lord, help him to have a better sense to how to wear, what to dress. Oh Lord, and Lord, he's fat. He is fat. Lord, help him to lose weight. Lord, let him join Jenny Craig and let Jenny Craig lose weight. Oh, Jesus, help them. You know, you see, you can pray that way and it sounds right, but something is, there's a critical attitude there and you've got an opinion about something that you're not authorized to have an opinion about. None of your business. Why don't you deal with your own fat belly instead of worrying about mine? Because I bet if I had all of you come up here, some of you are pretty fat too. My God. 
My God. <laughs> I feel like Brother Randy. My God. <laughs> I preach the full gospel like he said. But I'm going down to the lesser gospel. I'm going down to the skinny gospel. I don't want the whole gospel. I just want Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jennifer. And Acts. And Romans. And then after that, no more. You understand what I'm saying? What I'm trying to say is I'm losing weight. Praise God. But my point is, is that you don't have to have form opinions. It's easy to get offended with somebody you see all the time. You know why? Because you start to know them after the natural. See, when Pastor Nancy comes, you have a great advantage. You don't have access to her. She don't, she don't talk to you. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. She just doesn't. That's not her place. She don't counsel you. She doesn't give you business counsel or advice. She doesn't listen to your idea of what thing, something you want to do in the business world. That's not her role. She's not here for that reason. I'm here for that reason. She comes and you don't really see her. And there's a reason for that. It's not for elitism and it's not to, be, to try to be over you or better than you or anything like that. But she's not anointed to individually speak into your life other than when she's in the pulpit. So you don't see her. You don't see her without her makeup on. I do. You don't see her in her robe. When Jenny and I stayed at her home, we have breakfast together. Pastor's putting her makeup on at her kitchen table. And I see her in ways that other people don't see her. The fact that she would trust me so much to let me stay in her home with my wife and let, her, let me see her in a non-pulpit environment shows her deep trust for me because she knows I'll never cross that line. I'll never step over that line. I'm very aware of where that line is. And she knows, and not everybody can handle seeing the minister that's over them in a non-pulpit environment. They just can't handle it. Because they would then try to latch on to them after the natural. And they would start to judge them or they would make fun of them or they would pass opinions about them. And so what I'm trying to say to you is that when somebody trusts you, when a minister trusts you, they let you in a little closer because they know you're not going to cross a line. What does that mean? You're not going to get familiar with me. You're not going to have opinions about what I look like when I'm not in a suit. You're not going to have opinions about how I act in every little nuance of life. Because not every nuance is exactly in the spirit. And there are moods and feelings and emotions and tiredness and sadness and annoyance that every human being has, whether they're anointed or not, whether they're a minister or not. And so it's easy for you. You don't see any of that. So when she comes, you see her in her office and it's so easy to respect. But a pastor is a little bit different. Because you see them week after week. You see them all the time. A Catholic priest, I was listening to him a little while ago, and he was talking to some other ministers, and he said, I know what he meant. He didn't mean it badly, but he said, and he doesn't know what we know, obviously, but he said, dear God, this job pounds the life out of you. And I, I kind of understand what he's saying, because when you're dealing with problem people every day, and he counsels five days a week. Now, if you're going to counsel five days a week, you might as well just have Valium in your top drawer. Unless you know the Holy Ghost. Because for that many people's problem and suicide issues and depression of other people and sexual misconduct and deviant behavior and you're dealing with that five days a week and you're not filled with the Holy Ghost and you don't know the flow of the Spirit and you're not skillful in leaving that stuff in the counseling room, it will get on you, it will break you and that is why a lot of them commit suicide. Pastor Nancy told me that the 2018 statistic, and I would imagine 19 is not much far behind it, is that, that up to 80% of pastors in a building project 
need a sabbatical in the best case. That means they need six months off because they're so stressed. But up to 20% of them commit suicide in 2018. Building projects, massive financial strain, up to 20% in 2018, the pastor committed suicide. You understand that people don't understand, you know, a precious congregation member <laughs> of mine, I won't say her name because I don't know if she wants me to, but I was talking on the phone to her about something a couple weeks ago, and she, and she said something, and, and I didn't expect her to say it, and I, I can't tell you how much it blessed me. It's not going to sound like it blessed me when I say it, but it really blessed me. She said, Pastor, I don't know how you do it. I said, do what? She said, I couldn't have, in a thousand years, there's no way I could pastor a church. She said, the pressure that you're under, the people I see constantly on you, and then you've got this person outside the church attacking you, and then you've got demons that you can't even see that are trying to attack you, and you're trying to take care of four children, and you're trying to travel with Pastor Nancy, and you're trying to go to other countries and preach, and then you've got demons in that area after you. And she said, I do not know how you do it. She said, unless, she said, I know you're anointed. Those were her words. I know you're anointed because if you weren't, you'd be dead. You, like, you, you, you would break under the pressure. And I thought when she said it, I paused for a second because I don't think that way very often. And I thought, dear God, she's right. <laughs> I thought, my God, when I started thinking about all the stuff that pounds the life out of you, when I started thinking about that, I thought, my God, and it's certainly, I'm not the one that gets the credit because it would break me like it breaks everybody else. I thought, Lord, my God, there is a, the anointing. I don't always feel it, but it is of an abiding anointing that is here. There's an anointing on me all the time, whether I'm preaching or not, because I stand in an office and that anointing is part of that office. And that anointing holds me. That anointing suckers me. Not sucker, like that. Suckers, S-U-C-C-O-R-U-S. You know what I'm saying? Succor. It's not a sucker. It's not succor. It suckers me. You're wrong on that. Listen, we'll talk about this later. Okay, but you're going to find out that you're wrong and you're going to kiss my ring when I prove it to you. And I'm going to get a video and play it to the church next Sunday. So don't you mess with me, woman. Suckers me or succors me, however you want to say it. That anointing, it holds me. I can't explain it to you. It's always there. There's a different anointing when I minister. There's a different anointing when I go overseas. But there's always a presence there. Because without it, the pressures of this job would, would I'm telling you, an unsaved person said to me about six months ago that there was a study done. I wish I could find the study. I'm trying to find it. There was a study done by a secular uh, statistic group in the United States in 2017. And they found that the most stressful job after interviewing people and looking at all the nuances of their work and responsibility, the number one stressful job in America was the senior pastor. The most dangerous job were those idiots in Alaska on those fishing vessels that risked their life for crabs. Why would you do that? I guess you make a lot of money getting crabs out of the ocean in the Bering Sea. That was the most dangerous job death-wise. But the most stressful job was a senior pastor when they compared all the nuances that goes with it. Now, the world says it's the most stressful job. It's not the most stressful job, but it just gives you an idea that there's a lot of juggling balls happening all the time. But if you're not doing it in an office, you break. So I tell people, if God didn't tell you to start a church, you better not start it because the devil will break you. 
But when, the, when you're in an office and God has placed you there and it is his divine will and he's planted a candlestick and he's assigned an angel to assist you and a pastor to walk out the vision in the natural realm and when you, there is an abiding aid all the time, I feel it upholding me. Now let me give you a clue. If you love me, some of you just nod your head whether you do or not and make me feel good. But, but if you love me and you pray for me, the abiding presence intensifies. I can wake up certain mornings and I know people are praying and I wake up other mornings and I know they're not praying. I can feel it. I can actually, there's a, there's a certain upholding strength. I don't know how to put it in English. I could say it in tongues. But I can feel it when the people are praying and I can feel the waning of it when they're not praying. And it's very tangible and it's very real. So your little five-minute prayer for me that you dismiss as unimportant, don't ever do that. Because five minutes praying for me in the spirit is a greater aid than you can ever put money on. Praying for me out the Pauline prayers or Psalm 91 or other prayers in English is a greater help to me than you'll ever know. And when every person does two or three minutes and you multiply that by 300 people, can you imagine the power made available? But if everybody goes, ah, it doesn't really matter. I'm sure the prayer team will pray. I'm sure the staff will pray. I'm sure the real spiritual people will pray. I won't really do it. Now it drops dramatically. And yes, thank God for the prayers of those that are ultra faithful and more skillful. But when there's a volume of everybody bringing a supply. There is a great help to the pastor because the, the office is perfect and always sound, but the human being standing in the office is subject to tests and trials and subject to frailties just like you are. And so you're not praying for the office. The office is secure. You're praying for the person that stands in the office and he can sense or she can sense that. But as I was saying, it's easy to get familiar with that because you see them all the time. Do you understand? Whereas, so for me, it's a little more challenging for me with Pastor Nancy because I see her differently to you and I see her a lot more often than, often than you. So let me give, I'm, I, I felt in my heart to share this with you. I'm going to give you the, a major hint and a major key to always maintain honor for your pastor. And let me, let me read you. You know who, who really articulated this beautifully to me was Pastor Ruby Rosa Ramos. <laughs> Ruby Rosa Radella Ramos, triple R we call her. She travels with Pastor Nancy. She sees her all the time. Sometimes if Pastor, you know, needs it, Pastor Ruby comes and helps her in the morning, helps with her clothes, helps her get dressed, helps her with her makeup. Other times Pastor does it on her own. But my point is that lady sticks closer to her than a brother. God designed it. God instituted it that way. God established it. He called that call on her life. She pastors a church, but she's primarily there with Pastor Nancy. What a gift and a supply. I appreciate her because she takes care of my pastor. And anybody that takes care of your pastor, you should appreciate, not be competitive and not be jealous. You should appreciate what they do. And so, but and I said to her, I said, Pastor Ruby, I said, you know, I'm with pastor just a fraction of the time that you are. I said, but I've noticed you maintain this deep respect and honor for her, but you are with her constantly. Like she's with her far more than any of you are with me. She's with her more than even my closest staff members are with me because she's with her traveling day and night. And Pastor travels a lot. And Ruby goes with her everywhere almost. I said, how do you maintain this? And I want to read you what she said, if that's okay. Would that be okay? This is what she said to me. She said, she said to me, she said, I renew every day my intentionally, consciously, my honor 
and esteem for her as a person and for her office that she stands in. Now, Dad Sumrall would say, faith is renewed every day. Meaning, what you were believing for yesterday, brother, you had faith for yesterday, you can't rely on yesterday's faith to get you through today. You've got to constantly be feeding on the Word, even one verse of Scripture, stirring yourself up, and faith comes alive in you every day because every day has its own challenges. That's why if you don't read the Word for days on end, you will find yourself spiritually weak. You'll be making mad, bad decisions. You'll find yourself discouraged and depressed more often. You'll find the pressure will get on you more. It will affect the way you think more. It will affect your marriage more. You need to renew your faith all the time. And she said, the same way I renew my faith every day, she said, I renew my honor every day. And I thought that was an amazing key. Now, you see, it's fine to just talk about that like, oh, that's nice. That sounds so sweet. But she wasn't meaning it to sound sweet. She was giving me a hint and a clue. I do this as an intentional act. I write it down as a reminder every single day. The phone dings and reminds me. It's that important to her. Just like you would put a reminder to do the laundry or put a reminder to call this person or that person or whatever, or put a reminder to wake up in the morning so you're not late for work. She said, I put, I do this every single day on intentional grounds. This is not haphazard. I never miss a day. She said, every day I start to pray and tell the Lord, Father, I renew my honor today for my pastor. I renew my honor for her office and I renew my honor for her as a person because she stands in an office. Father, I will not get familiar with her. No matter what I see or no matter what I bear witness to, no matter what my eyes behold, I keep her in the place of the spirit. I know her not after the natural flesh. I know her after the spirit and I honor the office she stands in and I guard my heart. Three statements if you're writing notes. I renew my honor. I guard my heart. Those are, those, are, those are two very important statements. I renew my honor. I guard my heart. And number three, I know her after the Spirit. Amen. Now, if she does that and she sees her more than you see me, and it has maintained her over years of right attitude, Zero times has she got offended. Zero. Zero. That's why Pastor Nancy trusts her. It is rare to find somebody that no matter what, they don't get offended with you. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Years ago, before I traveled with Pastor Nancy, we had a situation. We were there at camp meeting, and uh, I was not as mature as I am today, but I really wanted to talk to her about something. And she didn't ask me to sit at her table. So the next time, next meal come around, I really want to talk to her about something. And I had a gift for her. She'd asked me to sit at her table. And that went on for seven different meals. So on the last meal, I'm calling it out. I bind that in Jesus' name. No, I'm just kidding. I said, angels, now you go deal with her. Now you go deal with her now. I got a gift for her. I got to talk to her. I know I'm in the perfect will of God to be at that table. I claim my seat at that table. I call it forth in Jesus' name. I did all the nonsense that you all do. When it's not by the Spirit, it's nonsense. When it's by the Spirit, it works. When it's out of false motives, it's nonsense. Do you understand? Yes. And that last service, she didn't sit me at the table. Nobody sat me at that table. And on top of that, to add insult to injury, they put pastors at my table that I didn't like. <laughs> Specific people I really didn't like because they have hurt me in the past and talked about me and different things. They're no longer in her group, but they're no longer there anymore. But back in those years, they were. And I remember, you remember, Jenny? I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is unbefreaking-leavable. I got a gift. I got the word of the Lord. I don't got no word of the Lord. I just got my own word that I'm calling the word of the Lord. 
Why isn't she wanting me to do that? Why? And I wasn't really upset with her. I was just hurt because I felt like maybe she didn't love me. Maybe she didn't love me enough. Now, I knew that wasn't true, but I just felt maybe she didn't love me enough. But she's got a lot of other people that she's got to see. So in my logic, I know that's not true. But you see, there was a spirit that was working on me. There was a spirit that was bringing a thought to me. She don't love you. She don't love you. If she loved you, she'd have you at the table. That is never the Holy Ghost. He never talks that way. And I sat there. I remember how miserable I was. Now, even then, Reverend Sandra, even at that table, trying to ignore that, those pastors, I just said, I got, I got sore throat. I can't talk. I'm just a lying thief. I can talk if I want, but I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to be near them. I don't even want to be in the building. Let me go home. I'm upset. My pastor don't love me. I felt it. And I got this thought coming, saying that to me. But even at that table with all those emotions, I knew enough to say, I answer you in the name of Jesus. I said it under my breath. I said, I answer you in the name of Jesus, you foul thought. I know she loves me. Her involvement with that table or not has no bearing on whether she loves me. And I speak to you and I command you to stop. And I'm telling you, Taylor, it was like somebody flicked a switch. Yeah. I mean, it was that instant, that thought that kept coming every few seconds, bang, bang, bang. As soon as I said that, it stopped. Yeah. Uh, so that shows you it's a demon. Yeah. 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 It tries to, to cover itself to make you think that it originated with you. Yeah. It wants you to think this is me feeling this against her because if it's you, you can't rebuke yourself. Right. He wants to hide in the shadows so you don't realize it's a demon. But I recognized because of the good teaching that this is not normal. And I answered that thought and immediately it stopped. And then I said, now, Father, I know that she loves me no matter what she does. And I said, furthermore, Father, even if she never invites me to her table for the rest of my life until the day of the rapture, I covenant with you. Nothing she can do will offend me. I mean, just at night, she hadn't offended me and I wasn't offended with her. I was hurt. Sure. That's a little bit different to offend it, although it's twin brothers with offense. It's going to take you to offense real quick. If you don't, if you don't careful with it, uh, hurt will take you right into offense. Do you understand? If you're hurt with your wife or husband, it will take you right into being offended with them. So it might technically not be offense, but it's one shy step from offense. So you better deal with that hurt quick. And it never got to offense. I can honestly say I was not offended with her and I can stand before Jesus saying that. But I was real close because I could feel that hurt building until I spoke to it because that demon spirit was trying to get me off. And I said, Father, I already told you this when she first became my pastor. And Lord, this seems to be an attack arrayed against me, against her, to try to get me upset with her. So even at, even at this table, under my breath, since I'm not talking to these fools beside me, I might as well just talk to you. So Lord, I'm just telling you, I recommit my covenant. Nothing she ever does can offend me. I don't care whether I ever sit at that table or not for the rest of my life. She's my pastor and I love her and I will honor and esteem her. And I dealt with it. So I finish up my deal and then the Holy Ghost says, well, that's real good, son. You're doing real good. Now, why don't you talk to those pastors? So I had to talk to the pastors and I had to be kind and I had to forgive because that's what God wants. And I got up at the table. That was the last night and I was getting ready to leave. And Pastor Nancy called me over. <laughs> oh, my God. So I come over. Yes, Pastor. And I'm, my heart is perfect, clear, whatever. I just went through a bit of an attack. Sure. But I, I was clear. My, my heart's right. I said, yes, Pastor. She says, you remember you asked me earlier in the week if you could come with me to Russia? I said, yes, ma'am. She says, I'd like to tell you that you can as long as you don't get offended with me. And she pointed her finger at me. Oh, my God. I felt like I shrunk. Ever seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? That's how big I felt. 
And I'm thinking, how did she, I wasn't offended with her, but I was hurt. How did she know that rotten pastor told her? But the problem was I didn't tell any of the pastors. It's in my own heart. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, I told her. You told her? That's not fair. You're supposed to have confidentiality, client, you know, lawyer, client privilege. You know how we claim it? He ain't no lawyer and he don't have no confidentiality clauses. He can do what he wants. He's God. I heard him say, I told her. And he wanted me to know it loud and strong. Not, I told her. Is that okay, Craig? I told her. Shut up, boy. That's kind of how the attitude was. And he was letting me know. You bet. Now, you never got into offense. But you were a half step away from it. Because you let hurt get you. And hurt is going to, hurt is dating offense. Hurt is flirting with offense. Hurt is courting offense. Hurt is one step away from honeymoon with offense. That's right. Very good. Do you understand? He said, you never, son, but you were real close because you let that spirit try to separate you, get, try to get offended over something so stupid and small. And he said, I, but I said, but Lord, I dealt with it. I dealt with it. I dealt with it at the table. Remember that? We talked. And he said, I told her long before you dealt with it. He said, she's been watching you all week. I told her at the beginning of the week. That's not fair. But God knew I was going to deal with it. And that's one of the reasons she didn't ask me at the table because God had already let her know that I was struggling with something. See how wonderful the Holy Ghost is? He protected Pastor Nancy from me. Because I get around, I get around her that, that neediness, that I'm, I'm overly touchy, I'm overly hurt, I'm so sensitive. God won't let ministers be around people like that. Because that thing will try to influence and get on them and they can just pick it up. They can just pick it up. And, and it's not that I can't counsel you if you've got that. It's not that I can't pray for you, but I'm not going to fellowship. He won't let me fellowship with people like that because you've got a problem and I don't want to be around that problem. I've got to preserve my anointing. I've got to preserve my peace. Do you understand? So I'm giving you that simple story to let you know the Holy Ghost is here to help the minister even with those that are under them to protect them and also to protect the ones under them to keep right hearts. Yes. Praise God. Now, do you know why God dealt with me then and that time then? Because I'd never traveled with her. And when she agreed, I remember feeling so rescued. I went home to the hotel and I said, Father, I said, I am so sorry for even letting that thought come into my mind. Lord, you know, I never got offended, but I got hurt and I have no right to get hurt. I've got no right to be fleshly and, and have that kind of, that's a fleshly attitude. And I said, Lord, thank you for talking to her. Thank you for not letting me sit at that table. Yes. You were disciplining me. And I needed the discipline to learn my lesson. Do you hear me? Discipline is not just spanking. That's when you're physically with children that are young. Discipline is of many forms. God was disciplining me that week because he knew this little kid's spoiled. This little kid's touchy. This little kid's sensitive. And if I don't break this on his life, it's going to ruin his future. Because I can't let him travel with her with this kind of attitude. And if he don't travel with her, gospel won't go out. Because he knows the only way we can get our tithe out is to have her travel. The only way the government lets us get our 10% to her is to send her as a missionary. And I have to go with her by the government law. And God knows I can't allow that. 
if you don't deal with this thing in your heart, son. So I'm going to spank you this week, and even though it's going to be painful, you're going to learn this lesson because if you don't, it's going to affect your long-term future with her. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. What is the answer when you're being disciplined? Stay soft, stay humble, stay repentant. Don't get arrogant and angry. Don't start blaming. Say, Lord, I may be angry. I may have all these emotions, but I yield to you. And he will fix you. He will help you. He will deliver you. And I went on that first trip with her, but that problem was dealt with at that table. Praise God. I never faced it again, and I've never faced it since. I've made a quality decision. Nothing she can do will ever offend me, table or not table, compliment or not compliment, asking me to preach or not asking me to preach, being kind with her words, being, 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 telling me and honoring me with her tongue or not. It don't matter. I've made, a, I've made a commitment. It's done. It's in cement. God had to have me do that before I ever got on the first plane. Do you understand? Because now that I travel with her and I see her in different environments and I see the needs that she has, she can just trust me 100%. I'll never cross that line, ever. I'd rather slip my own throat than cross that line. And I really mean that. I have such esteem for her as my pastor. I would rather physically die than ever hurt her, than ever lie to her, than ever do something to, to cause disruption to the peace in her life. I am that protective of her. And that's why she trusts me to travel with her because she wants somebody that knows that has got that heart. The Ramoses have that heart. Not every person has that heart. But she needs people around her as a shield around her because we have to protect that anointing on her. We have to protect her peace because what she does in that pulpit is so important. We recognize it. She's more important than us because she stands in a higher place. And it's my job to give up my ministry travelings if I have to. I was invited to go to Nigeria at the, one of the largest churches in the world, David Ayedipo's church. Brother Jerry Savelle offered me to come. With, he's with Brother Copeland, so I wouldn't really get a lot of time to be with him, maybe just a quick hug now and then. But he said, if you want to come, I'll let you sit there, you know, in the minister's section in one of the largest churches in the world, and you just be around the meet meetings with Brother Copeland and I, and then you fly down, you know, not in the jet, but, you, set, you know, separately, but you fly down with us to South Africa, and we'll do some meetings there, and you can be in those meetings. And even though I'm not in the inner circle, so to speak, it's just an honor to be invited. It's an honor to even be allowed to come and sit amongst great men like David Oedipo, great people like Brother Copeland and Brother, and Brother Jerry. So I said to Brother Jerry's cousin, Brother Joe, who comes with him, Joe Makrowski, I said, Joe, give me those dates because I feel in my heart I'm supposed to go. Give me those dates. And so he got back to me and lo and behold, the dates match when Pastor Nancy's June camp meeting is on. And I knew the Lord was testing me. <laughs> and so, but it was not hard to make that decision. I didn't even have to pray about it. You don't have to pray about being faithful to your pastor. I didn't need to pray. I called him back. I said, Joe, I got your answer for you. I won't be there. Oh, but why, brother? You know, like, Brother Jerry invited, like, he's inviting you. I'm inviting you. Like, this is a great honor. I said, please don't misunderstand me and don't misunderstand my heart. I'm deeply touched by the honor of the offer. I said, but my priority is to Pastor Nancy Dufresne, and I will not jump ship from her June camp meeting so I can sit in Nigeria. That would displease the Holy Ghost. You know what his response was? I'm so proud of you. I'm so, you are, she's blessed to have you. Run with it, my brother. There'll always be another trip to Africa. You be honorable to your pastor. You see, I've made a decision. 
It don't matter what person offers me this or offers me that. It doesn't matter what church has a bigger thing or a bigger following or some greater anointing. It doesn't matter. I know it pleased God to place me in the body. It pleased him to put me with somebody. It pleased me for him to say, cut covenant with Dr. Dufresne and with his wife. He will be your father and she will be your mother and stay with them until I call you into the clouds. That's called covenant. Covenant, there is no retreat. Do you understand? That's why these foolish people that join churches, they have no idea what covenant means. Nonsense to leave a church over the color of the carpet. Nonsense. If you know you're in covenant with somebody, it's for your life. Now, I take the risk when I say that of somebody accusing me of trying to be cult-like and manipulative. You can leave anytime you want to leave. I'm not telling you you have to say. I'm simply saying if you understand covenant, it's for life. Is Pastor Nancy perfect? No human being is perfect. I overlook those imperfections because God set me in the body as it pleased him. And he said, she is your company. Stay close with her. If God puts you with me, if I were you, I'd pay attention to what I'm preaching. I'm talking about my relationship with her as a mirror image for you to look at and you to really start to really think, am I in covenant with Pastor Craig or not? Because if I am, I better act like it. I better talk like it. When people talk against him, I better let them know to shut their ugly mouth or I'll shut it for you. I've told pastors, I said, you shut your mouth or I'll shut your mouth for you. And don't mess with me. I mean, I will slap them right in their lip. I'll knock them out. I will knock them into tomorrow. They'll wake up and their clothes will be out of fashion. (laughs) Don't you mess with me. I'm serious. You think you're in the flesh. Well, just try to cross me. Just try and see what I do to your lips. You talk about my pastor. I'll smack you right in the mouth. I will not permit words to be spoken about her in my presence. I have a covenant with her. Do you understand? When you get that kind of of grounding about who God puts you with and the covenant, it will bring a great place of safety. It's not control. It's not manipulation. It's divinely out of the heart of God the Father himself. He is the author of covenant. And it is far deeper than anybody really realizes. It is not a flippant light thing that you toss around. It is not, when you're in covenant, you don't talk about them at the dining room table. When you're in covenant, you don't entertain hurtful thoughts about them. You recognize, this is not me. I know my heart. This is a demon. I answer you. When other opportunities come, you don't even consider them when you're in covenant with somebody. My wife never has to worry, no matter how gorgeous the woman is. She never has to worry that I'm going to call her one day and say, I fell, I sinned. You say, well, you better be careful what you say, lest you fall into the equal temptation. I am careful what I say, but I've made a covenant with her. I would slit my own wrists before I had sex with another woman. Is that clear enough for you? Do I need to make it any more clear? Because men these days, they treat covenant like a joke. When you make a covenant with your wife, it's better for you to die than break that covenant. Now, if your husband is abusing you, they have broken the covenant and you are permitted by God to leave. And if you break the covenant... They are permitted to leave because you've broken it. But my point is, when you have not broken that covenant and she is right and I am right, I've made a commitment to her for the rest of her life. She could become the most gorgeous model or she could let herself go and become a blimp. 
It matters not her outward appearance to me. She is my covenant mate for life. Thank God she takes care of herself. Thank God she's sexy. Thank God I still chase her around the house. And I let my boys see me. It's important. Lukey says, Daddy, I love it when you kiss Mommy. I said, Honey, I love it when I kiss her too. Not in an irreverent, rude, vulgar way, but we show public displays of clean affection. Not vulgar affection. That's for the bedroom. And it's not vulgar when it's in the bedroom, but when it's out of the bedroom, it's vulgar. Do you understand? A fire in the fireplace will heat you and cook your hot dog. A fire outside the fireplace will burn your house down. Sex in the bedroom will heat you and, and just bring you joy. Sex outside the bedroom, I don't mean physically. I'm talking about sex outside the confounds of what is private between a husband and a wife will burn your house to the ground. It will burn it. But clean displays of affection are very valuable for children to see. Mommy and daddy love each other. Mommy and daddy are in covenant with each other. Daddy's not looking at some tart out there. Mommy's not watching some hunk out there. And believe me, there's a lot more men she could look at that are better looking than me. But she, I, I have covenant with her. She is covenant with me. I'm, I don't know why the Holy Ghost is having me say this, but I think some husbands need to hear what I'm saying. You better watch your eyes, sir. And if you can't figure it out, you better come talk to me and I'll figure it out with you. I'll figure it out real quick with you. I'll cast the devil out of you is what I'll do. And I'll teach you how to crucify, put that ugly flesh down. Put your foot on that flesh and break its neck. Do you understand? Temptations come to all of us, but when you're covenant, you don't take those temptations. I never worry if my wife will cheat on me. It never even crosses my mind. She never worries if I'll cheat on her. Never crosses. Pastor Nancy never worries. Will Craig leave me? It doesn't cross her mind. It used to. It used to. That's why when doctor first came, she was, you know, she was watching us for years. You don't earn Pastor Nancy's trust because you're a nice couple days. It takes years. But after years, we proved ourselves. We're not leaving you, Pastor. Whether you like us or not, whether you include us or not, we just, we're just here. We're stuck to you. We're the bug on your windshield that no amount of wish washer is going to get us off. We are stuck to you. You might as well just sew us onto your side like Siamese twins. I'm stuck to you. I'm not leaving you. I love you. And I, that's my, I'm in covenant with you. You don't understand? I'm in covenant. I understand covenant more than most people. That's why Jerry understands covenant with Brother Copeland. That's why when God told him on his 50th year last year, put your ministry second, put his ministry first and travel anywhere he wants you to go. And he did. And then he talked to me at the end of last year and he said, Pastor Craig, you know what? I said, what, sir? When I went down to see him in November at his minister's conference, he had me in the back room and he said, you know what? I said, what? He said, yeah, God told me to not only do what I did in my 50th year, but to do it every year till Jesus comes. He said, my ministry now is permanently second place. And I serve my man of God with honor. Here is a man who's 72 years old that's been preaching for over 50 years. And he understands I'm not number one. My man of God is number one. I'm telling you, you know how rare that is. You know how rare that is. That's the spirit that flows through this church. That kind of covenant attitude flows in through our spiritual veins. That's why, that's why we're here. That's because we have covenant with God, but we're learning to have covenant with each other and to have covenant with your pastor. So I'm telling you, renew your mind every day. 
make an intentional decision. I renew my honor for pastor and pastor's wife. I see them after the spirit, not after the flesh. I will not be offended no matter what they do. They cannot offend me. Then when the thoughts come, you're fine. When the devil comes, you just answer him and tell him to shut up. When people in the church come, you say, you watch your mouth. You talk about him, I'll shut it for you. Now listen, I got to say that with a grain of salt because I don't want people fighting in the parking lot and punching each other. And I can, Lorraine, I got to be careful what I say because I can see some real baby Christians that don't know the life of the spirit and they're literally, you talk about Pastor Craig, bang! And then we got a lawsuit on our hands. My God, I can just picture it happening. Please, if you're going to shut their mouth, come and tell me first, I'll deal with it. Don't go punch anybody. Don't go slap them around. I'm trying to express my deep sentiments for you that covenant doesn't cut people behind their back. And whether you realize it or not, you're in covenant with each other. Reuben, whether you realize it or not, you're in covenant with Hortense. So don't talk about her. And you're not. I'm just saying, I'm using an example. Don't talk about her behind her back. Don't talk about what clothes she wears in a disparaging way. Don't make fun of people. Don't because some people have difficulties or they have this problem or that problem or, or they don't smell right or they this or they that or they're not socially as graced as other people. Don't talk about them. You're supposed to have covenant with them. Humble yourself and say, Father, let me, what can I do to help that person? How can I pray for that person? Maybe God will tell you, go and buy them a $50 gift card and just bless them. But Lord, I don't even like them. That's why I'm telling you to do it because I'm trying to get you to like them. And the more you sow into them, the more love will come up in your heart for them. See, we're going to have revival. We're going to love each other. We're going to love each other. We're going to love all the different colors of the rainbow here. We're going to love Beverly. Beverly, stand up. What color are you? Beverly, stand on up. What color are you? What color are you, Bev? Well. <laughs> Bev, what color are you? Well, they say it's black. You say it's black. But you know what? You're not black to me. You're my sister. I don't see you as a black woman. I see you as a blood-washed sister that I would die for if it was required of me. I mean it. Hannah, what color are you? You're white, but I don't see you as white. I see you as my blood-washed sister. We got to get over this. And stop watching stuff on the TV with the world getting upset with each other. Don't, don't feed on that. It will get into you. Get into you. Don't get, in, don't get feed on that. Don't feed on people that are talking against our prime minister or talking against the president of the United States, whether you like them or not. The more you feed on people's dishonor, the more it will start to stick to you. You may not like the leaders or whatever. The Bible tells you you have an own opinion. Don't you talk about them. You pray for them. And if you watch stuff about people trying to attack, even if you don't agree with everything they've done, if you watch the display of dishonor, it is a sewer. The more you partake of that sewer, it will start to affect you. And then the person that is supposed to have honor in your life will be, you'll start to have that sewer of dishonor for them. That's why I don't watch certain things. I know there's different political. I'm not giving that my opinion. That's none of my, anyone's business but mine. But I don't watch shows like CNN because it's not because I'm totally for that president and everything he does, but I don't want to watch the display of dishonor to that office. And I don't agree with everything he's done, but the way they talk is dishonorable about the office. 
and there's people, and I certainly don't agree with everything our prime minister does, but there are people that talk dishonorably about him, and I equally don't participate in that because I don't want the flow of dishonor in my life. I don't want to watch them dishonor because I'm not a dishonorable person. I want to keep my honor right for those that are over me. Do you understand? I didn't even get to my freaking notes again. I didn't get to my notes again. God, I didn't get to it again, Lord. Holy Ghost, I'm not trying to dis be dis disagreeable. I just wanted to get to my notes. I had so many verses to read them. They didn't even know how many verses I had. 19 verses to read them. I didn't even get to more than two of them. One more before we close, because I got at least do three, the number of the Trinity. We can't leave without a good number. Just real quick, Ephesians chapter 4, and we're not continuing this this next week, so whatever this is, it is, praise God. Renew your honor every day. Know them after the Spirit. Decide nothing can offend me. I'm telling you, my brother and sister, it works and it will protect you. It doesn't just protect me, it protects you. Because then you stay in the puzzle place, the puzzle piece. You're a puzzle piece that rightly fits and connects. When you protect your position in the body of Christ in this local church, it's a safety to you. The devil wants you to get out of your position because there's no other church that you'll fit right, quite right in. You could fit, but it won't be the perfect place if, if and only if God called you to be in covenant here. If you're just a wandering thing tossed by the wind and you just want to come for a few, that's different. You're not in covenant. You might have another place to fit. I'm talking about if you're in covenant here, you better protect that because you'll never truly find what you're looking for in other places, even though there's a lot of other wonderful churches that are better than ours. It's not about the betterness of the church. It's about where God placed you in the body. We don't think we're the best by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not that arrogant. I know that there's many better than us, but if you're in covenant, know where God placed you and be faithful. God will judge you at the day of judgment, at the, at the bema seat of Christ, when rewards are handed out. He'll, he'll, you're going to get rewards based on his perfect will, not based on whatever you decided to do. He'll give you rewards based on you obeying him. Not because you want a thousand people to God in South America, but he never asked you to go to South America. If he asks you to stay here and pray, you'll get rewards based on that. You won't get rewards based on going to South America and winning a thousand people. There'll be some rewards you get, but it won't be the same amount of rewards as you'd get just by being in the perfect will of God. Right. Ephesians chapter four, real quick. And have a look quickly, please, if you don't mind. Verse 10, verse eight. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, that's when he went to heaven, he led captivity captive. That means that's his robe. It's not the, it's not the soul, it's not the, 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 the believers from paradise, because the Greek here means he led the enemies as his captives. The people in paradise weren't his enemies. This is the, this, and then the Amplified it said, he led a train of vanquished foes. This is what my, my preaching on the robe is all about. God gave him a robe with the names of all his enemies sewed into it as a conquering king, and he had a train in his robe filled with vanquished foes. So he led, he led captivity captive. That's part, of his, that's part of his great glorious walk in heaven where God gave him a name. God gave him a robe. God gave, he put his blood on the mercy seat. Okay. And what's the first thing he did? And he gave gifts unto men. He gave you pastors. Now he tells us, now he that ascended, what is it? But he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. Remember, he went to hell. We know he went to hell because it says it in verse 9. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fulfill all things. The same Jesus that went down went up. 
Now look at this verse, verse 11. And he gave what? The gifts from verse 8, verse 11. And he gave some, not every human being, but some of us he's put in certain offices, the office of the apostle, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. What's our job? For the perfecting of the saints. That means the complete furnishing of the saints. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It means you're going to be perfectly furnished with, with weaponry to walk your walk right. That's right. For the complete furnishing of the saints to do the work of the ministry to edify or build up the body of Christ. Till when? When are these offices going to exist? How long are they going to exist for? Verse 13 tells us, till we all come into the unity of the faith. Well, that's not going to be to the rapture. So we're going to be here a while. And the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The gifts are given until people are fully developed. And that doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lifetime. That we, that why? Why is it important you have this office? Why is it important God gave you a pastor? Why is it important that this pastor helps you to become complete and fully furnished, teaching you the word of God and the things of the spirit? Why? Verse 14, that you would not be any more spiritual children, tossed to and fro and carried with every wind of weird doctrine. And there's a lot of weird doctrines out there. By the slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. People are wanting to deceive you, and there's a safety in the local church with the office of a pastor to keep you away from a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, are you with me? But speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in him to all things, which is the head even Christ. Now watch verse 16. This is the hitter. For whom the whole, from whom Jesus, the whole body, that's you, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. Do you see that? What does fitly joined together and compacted mean? Think about it. Fitly joined and compacted. That speaks of unity. That speaks of working as a unit. By what? By which every joint supplies. So you are a joint or a ligament. You are a joint or a ligament. You are a joint or a ligament. Every one of you is a joint or a ligament. You each bring a supply. You each bring a gifting. You each bring a help. You each bring an aid. When every person brings their supply and comes together, unity comes. We are compacted as a mighty phalanx like the Greek army. We are becoming one. We are one army, one force. Every person with their individual supply comes together. Amen. Rob had a supply this week with the lights. Glory had a different supply. Taylor had a different supply. Deanne had a different supply. Jose had a different supply. Cola had a different supply. But when we bring our supplies, God compacts us in a divine unity. My God, it's exciting. That's what the devil can't break through. Now, what supply do you bring? Well, I don't have enough, as much money as somebody else. Watch the next part. You bring your supply according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. You have an effectual measure. Your measure may be this much. Their measure may be that much financially. Your measure may be this much in prayer. Their measure may be that much in prayer. You all have your own measure. Don't compete. Don't compare. Don't feel less because somebody gave in a bigger offering. And don't tell anybody what you're giving. Don't 
feel less because somebody does six ministry of helps and you do one. You don't know the supply and the measure that they have. Just know your supply. Know your measure and do it. And don't compete with each other. And don't be jealous of each other. And don't be married to the position. Be married to Jesus. Be married to the vision. Don't be married to your department head role. Oh God, now if you bring your measure, what happens? It makes increase of the body unto the building up of itself in the love walk. You want this local church to increase? You want not just increase financially, but to increase in love, to increase in the glory, to increase in the anointing, to increase in numbers? Bring your supply. Bring it according to your measure and don't compete with people and be in unity. Be compacted with us. My God. Then the body increases and the devil himself can't stop it. Hallelujah. I'll end with these words. Friday morning, I was here real early with some of you. A great turnout. Thank you for coming. And I was praying, 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 praying. God said some stuff about the Pulse of Church. God said some stuff to me about other things I won't get into. But one thing he said to me, which I did not expect him to say. I never know what he's going to say. But he said to me, son, he said, now it's time for me to tell you. I said, yes, sir as I was praying in the spirit and I heard him say for this immediate season I want you to believe me for 350 adults and when they come you should equally have at the same time by their increase and by others who are not tithing but are going to get the revelation soon 35,000 a week we've been believing for 30 we're right now at 29,800 and something so we're almost at our goal. He said, now you're already there, son. You're basically there. You're going to get slack in your faith. I need you to believe me for more. Believe me for 30, 350 adults and believe me for 35,000. And then I started, I said, thank you, Lord. And I, I was transitioning and he said, I want to tell you something else. I said, yes, sir, I'm sorry. Because I thought he was done. And he said, and the season following this season, he said, I want you to believe me for 400 adults and 40,000 a week. And I said, Lord, you've never once in all my years of ministry ever told me two seasons. Like, I don't have the measure of faith for that next season, the 40. But you're telling me that now. You've never done that ever. You've always told me one. And when I hit it, you tell me the next. And when I hit it, you tell me the next. He said, I said, but you're telling me two seasons in advance. I've never experienced that before. And he said, Hebron calls for it, son. He said, you're in an increased season and you don't even hardly realize it yet. In the realm of the spirit, the tempo has increased. That's why the attack has increased. That's why the victory has increased. That's why we saw the breakthrough with Pastor Coulter. Because it's part of Hebron's anointing. That's why we saw the breakthrough instead of four years, one year with our ordination license, it's part of Hebron. That's also why we saw that attack come against me in January. That persecution for standing for the Bible and people trying to attack me and accuse me falsely. That happened because the anointing in Hebron is stirring up demons as well as angels. We're in a brand new season. He said, Hebron, the, the, the pace has quickened, so I'm telling you two seasons in advance. I'm telling you. Now listen to me. He said, when you hit 400 adults, 18 and over, he said, you will, now I don't know this in the natural, but I know it by the spirit. He said, you will have reached maximum capacity of what your current building can handle. He said, at the 400 mark, talk to me, son, and I will tell you the next step. Because at that point, we won't be able to invite any new people. At that point, we won't be able to fit any more in. And he said, do you remember the vision I gave you? And I don't think I've ever shared it publicly, so let me tell you. Maybe I did, I don't know. But back in April, he gave me a vision. I, saw my, I, saw, I was standing at the back. I saw the congregation in front of me. 
And I saw on this stage chairs all the way down this stage, two rows of chairs. I saw chairs under that screen. I saw a built up where behind the sound booth where people can't see me. I saw a little platform built and I saw a row with maybe only five or six, but I saw five or six chairs back there so they could see over the sound booth. I saw another chair. I saw that I had very limited space to preach because there was another row of people sitting closer to me. I saw people everywhere. There was standing room only. And the Lord said to me, when the, what you see in the spirit comes to pass in the natural, he said, then I'll tell you the next step for the vision. So I knew it was standing room only, but I didn't know how many people that represented. Well, he told me on Friday morning, he said, when you hit 400 adults, not kids, 400 adults, that means other people as well that are under 18. He said, when you hit 400 adults, you will have reached the maximum capacity for this, what this building can hold. Then you'll put the people on the stage at that point in all the other places. You'll be using every nook and cranny that is available to you. And he said, then I will speak to you about the next step for this local church. He said, but son, I want you to believe me. Believe me for 350 adults. And as soon as you accomplish that, I'm already telling you in advance, believe me for 400. God would not tell us, Brother Blair, to believe him for that if it was not possible. It would not, he wouldn't waste our time if it was not in his mind. That means that there are people out there that are hearing the call to come. God is calling them in the spirit. Your invitation by evangelism is natural. But when they come into the building, the Holy Ghost can bear witness. They should not stay on a natural invitation. They should stay because they know this is home. They know this is my pastor. It bears witness in their spirit. Then they stay. But many people won't even get to that place if you don't invite them to come. Your invitation is just to get them to the place where they are positioned to hear the spirit. And if he doesn't speak to them, let them leave. But some God will speak to and when we hit 400, Taylor, the next, the next phase of this ministry will begin. And I believe it will happen soon. So Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for all that has been accomplished, for the people that were healed, the people that received words. Lord, for blessing us with your presence in the worship and in communion. Lord, we thank you for this message today. I didn't get out all my notes, but Lord, I felt that what the Holy Ghost wanted communicated was communicated. Father, let these people understand covenant Covenant is not a word that our darkened society understands anything about. Covenant is a God-inspired and authored concept. Covenant came from the heart of God himself. Covenant with Jesus is what saved us. Our covenant with you, Father, is the most important thing in our life, which is why the local church is the most important thing in our life, because this is where we gather with other people that have come into covenant with you. But Lord, we don't just want covenant with you. You also have given us a gift and a pastor, and we want a covenant with that gift like I have with my pastor. Lord, you've given us people. You've placed us in a local church. And Lord, they're not just strangers to us. They're our brothers and our sisters. And you desire us to have a covenant with them. Help us to treat them right. Help us to love each other the way Jesus would love us if he walked these hallways in person. Help us to protect our pastors and to pray for them. Because with every little prayer, no matter how short it is, the abiding presence that holds me strong is intensified. And Lord, I know without your anointing, I wouldn't be able to do this job. I know it's impossible. But I thank you. That's why you get all the glory. That's why no pastor could ever take the credit because it was all you. You're the one that gets all the credit because it was your help that allowed us to do this feat. The most stressful job by at least one company two years ago in the United States listed my job as the most stressful. 
I know that, Lord, many pastors committed suicide last year because of the financial pressure they were under. Father, thank God that we've been learned some things in this church. And I've been taught by Dad Hagen some things that puts me outside those awful categories. But Lord, that doesn't diminish the fact that I need their prayers. It doesn't lessen the fact that I need their support prayerfully in the spirit as well as financially, as well as showing up, as well as ministry of helps, all the areas that they bring supply. Father, I need that or, or there's, there is no local church. Without them, we don't have a church. And without me, we don't have a church. We need each other. We're a team. And we will get equal rewards in heaven. You will honor them with rewards, not just me, for the vision that this church accomplished. Let them know that great things wait for them on the other side because of their faithfulness to the vision and because of their honor to the covenant with their pastor. Lord, I give you praise and I give you honor and I give you glory.